Pastor Xavier Reese and the high cost of compromise. The compromise of Samson to marry a pagan woman of the Philistines has unfolded for us through these three scenes. Samson gave in to the lust of the eye. Samson gave in to the lust of the flesh. And Samson gave in to the pride of life. Bad Trinity. It's the same as me, myself, and I. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As we've reached chapter 14 in our study series of the book of Judges, we learn something crucial about Samson. He is a man motivated purely by physical appearance. He saw this young woman. She looked good. And now he wants her for his wife. That's all there is to it. In fact, we're not even told he even bothered to meet her. Samson was looking in the wrong place for the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And he found it. But that shouldn't surprise us either. The simple truth is, in life you get what you pay for, and Samson was investing in all the wrong places. Here's Pastor Xavier delivering a message appropriately titled, Samson the Self-Willed Man. Samson, the twelfth judge, had been born according to the prophecies that we've seen. Now he has grown, and he's a man, when he decided to marry a non-believing woman of Philistine. Tragically, too many Christians with a spiritual potential, sometimes a great spiritual potential, like Samson, they never accomplished all that God had in store for them because of being self-willed, choosing for themselves things that were really contrary to the Word of God. What we want to do is look at the compromise of Samson to marry a pagan woman of the Philistines, and it unfolds for us in three scenes here. Verse, the lust of the eye, verse 1. The second scene, the lust of the flesh, verse 2. The third scene is the pride of life, verse 3 and 4. Now notice the man Samson gave in and pursued what caught his eye. And he saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Samson was disarmed by the sight of this woman. Now Samson, his disobedience wasn't yielding to the attraction of this pagan woman. Not to a woman, but to the pagan woman. This should have been his first check in obedience to God. Samson went beyond the test of God to tempting himself. I tempt myself. God tests me. I tempt myself. Now this woman was a daughter of the Philistines and she's nameless. There's no name to her. The Philistine cutie here caught the eyes of a powerful and feared Samson, causing him to drool all over himself. The Philistines were their constant enemies of the people of God, Israel. Samson fell in love with a pagan woman. Can you help who you fall in love with? Absolutely. By who you hang out with. 
by what the standards of God is. You have no business going down to Timnah. It's simple. Scene one, Samson gave in to the lust of the eye. Secondly, comes scene two, the lust of the flesh. Look at verse two. Samson could not wait to tell his parents about the woman he was in love with. So he went up and told his father and his mother, it says. He probably could not stop thinking about her. You know how it is when you get infatuated and you just see someone that you know for the first time or whatever it is as you're growing up? It, it, it's strong. The distance was not far, about four miles, even though it was an ascent. I'm sure he got there fast. He should have been recognizing that the woman he desired was sin in the eyes of God. But he was not. See, when you don't take the first check, then it makes it harder as you go along. And before you know it, the last thing on your mind is God. He's not even in the room. He should have been grieved in his heart in disobeying the word of God. But he was not. He was not even thinking about God, but only himself. This is the weakness of Samson. The woman at Timnah pleased him, so he decided to marry her in spite of knowing God's will and his Nazarite vow. Verse 10. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs 25, 28. Open for destruction. Walls protect. Notice Samson dishonored his parents with what he believed to be good news. It's all a matter of perception, isn't it? Saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. He told them he had been captivated by a certain woman in Timnah. Now, the usual custom, as you know, was that the parents were the ones to initiate the arrangements for a marriage in that culture. They probably searched their minds at this point as to who they knew in Timnah, who was of Israel that lived there. They were stumped. Who could it be? Notice he declared the remaining words, which were worse than the first, a bombshell. Of the daughters of the Philistines, ooh, the Philistines were the enemies of God. The parents of Samson knew what the angel of the Lord had told them regarding Samson. These things are going in their mind as he's talking. He was to be a Nazarite from birth till death, chapter 13. He was to begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines, chapter 13, verse 5. It says he would begin because God knew he would never finish. Now, either God predestined Samson to sin in this marriage or Samson chose to rebel against God. There's only A and B. You're going to blame God or Samson? If you believe in the free will of man, then you have to go with Samson. Notice he ordered his parents to go and make the arrangement for him to marry the Philistine woman. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Samson was doing certain things by this command to his parents. He was denying all 
of his preparation and enabling by God as the 12th judge of Israel. He was rejecting his call of a Nazarite till death. And he was ignoring the clear will of God for his life. Samson was asking his parents certain things by his command to them also. For them to disobey God. For them to ignore the revelation of the angel of the Lord. For them to not be so self-righteous. I wish you could listen to all the problems of Christians that marry unbelievers being self-willed. Proverbs 22a says, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Let me give you some advice as to some things that you should divulge or ask the one you're going to marry or wants you to marry them. Real practical. Life has enough problems after marriage because you've got two rotten sinners coming together. So these are very basic. Without being a Christian, if you have a moral sense of understanding of ethics and morals. Now prior to entering the engagement stage, it is no one's business about your past. But once you ask or are asked to be married, you need to be honorable, truthful, and prepared that the person might not want to marry you after you share these things. Very important. The fact that you have failed sexually is very important. Now, they may not mind, but it's important that you share. The fact that you have been married before or that you had children out of wedlock, you've been divorced. Now, I, I'm not making these things up. These are things that I've counseled over. <laughs> the fact that you cannot have children is very important. Now, the person having this information will then have a choice if they want to follow through in marriage or not. The person being denied any of these or lied to prior to the marriage can and often experience a sense of deception, betrayal, and devastation. You see, no one knows how a person is going to respond to a situation, no matter how stable they may seem to be until you cross that line. What you can handle intellectually as you examine something in your own mind is one thing. When you have to handle it emotionally once you've crossed that line, it's a whole different matter. It is always best to deal honestly when it comes to things before marriage to avoid suffering and destruction. You can lie by not telling the truth or by not sharing information. Both. If you're not honest with that person you're going to marry, you're not entering into a true honest relationship with them. And if things are revealed afterwards, sometimes it doesn't matter to an individual. But too often it does, and it blows a hole in the whole trust of people. And the marriage is destroyed. And there's problems for the rest of their life if they stay together. 
We are human beings. We are rotten to the core. There'll be enough problems in marriage, <laughs> enough tragedies. Too many unequally yoked marriages, as well as some Christian marriages, are the result of lust, not love. Lust can't wait to be satisfied. Love waits to be satisfied. Song of Solomon 2.7 says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. And speaking about the woman, do not awaken your passions until it pleases the honeymoon night. Now, this is both for men and women. It's not just for women, okay? I know this sounds strange in our day, but it's the biblical standard, and I believe in it. And though I may have failed, it doesn't matter because I was in Christ. But the fact is that this is the standard that we hold up. This is the standard that we proclaim to our children, to our young people, to those that are single. Those of us who have failed, God is gracious. We're new creatures. But those who have not, man, you have a great responsibility. Scene two, Samson gave in to the lust of his flesh. It's driving him. Notice thirdly, scene three, the pride of life, verse three and four. Samson immediately was responded to an objection to his order and compromise, verse three. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. His parents rebuked him for his arrogant pride thinking he knew better. We'll see. But at this point, Samson is, is commanding his father, get her for me. She pleases me well. God had commanded his people to marry their own. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people? Simple question. It's to bring him back to his senses. Believing in the true and living God. Worshiping the same true and living God. Raising children to believe in the true and living God. This is what is stated here. God had commanded his people to not marry the people of the land. He says that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines, a violation of the word of God. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord Yahweh, your God, delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Samson is living like the rest of the people. Every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes because there was no king on the throne of Israel. The stern, arrogant, rebellious decision of Samson is confirmed to his father 
he ordered him a second time to go make the arrangement. And Samson said to his father, get her for me. Samson believed he knew better than God. Samson believed he knew better than his father. Yet his father seemed to have caved in to Samson as he is present at the feast in verse 10. Notice he revealed he was only concerned with his own worldly pressure. It says, for she pleases me well. He was concerned with his worldly pleasure. Literally it means, she is right in my eyes. It's also found in verse 7, two times. You don't understand. This is different. I'm the exception. (laughs) Sad. He was headstrong and willful to do what he wanted to do. Notice Samson was solely responsible for the course and direction of his life. Not God, as we stated. Verse 4. The commentary on the tragic occasion is not to be misunderstood. It says, but his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord Yahweh that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Now, it doesn't mean that God decreed Samson to be unequally yoked in marriage. It's not what it's saying. It does not mean that God was behind the compromise of the marriage. It means only that his parents were ignorant that God was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. It means that God would still use him against the Philistines. The wrath of man, God is glorified. He's still on the throne. Samson would only begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. David would be fully delivering the Philistines in the future. The particular period of oppression is indicated. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Samson would kill 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey in chapter 15, 15, and 16. Samson would kill more Philistines at his death by bringing down the temple of Dagon than he had killed all his life in chapter 16, verse 30. But when we get there, it was still all about him, even the death. When Dan rather asked then President Bill Clinton why he had risked his marriage and his presidency by the sexual encounter with Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton replied, and I'm quoting, I think I did something for the worst possible reason, just because I could, just about the most indefensible reason that anyone could have for doing anything when you do something just because you could. Wow. Just because you can. Listen to Job. Job 12, 12 says, Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days understanding. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Proverbs fifteen two. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise, Proverbs 15, 31. 
The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Proverbs 16, 21. There will be those believers that will want you to agree or go along with their sin or compromise to God. You're to not do so. You're not to be indifferent to their sin or silent. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed, faithful to the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. This is hard when it's parent to son, parent to daughter. Your children grow up. They make decisions that you don't like. You can't live their life. They're responsible. But they can certainly know whether I agree or don't agree, whether I'm going to be complicit to it or just praying for them, right? Whether I'm going to hold the standard high and be the example or I'm going to follow you have to confront them out of love, to turn them from their sin or compromise. James, uh, once again in chapter 5, 19 and 20, he says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, brethren, he's talking to Christians, and the word wander there is like the planets that roam, okay, out of their orbit. They wander from the truth, and someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner... So he synonymously uses the brethren who turned away as a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. There's a high call of every believer to call people back, whether it's parent to son or whatever it may be. In our journey through life as believers, we need to take advantage of the wisdom of those who have fought the fight much longer than ourselves. Proverbs 3, 7 through 8 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 24, 6. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Proverbs 18.1 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15-16 Wow. Scene 3. Samson gave in to the pride of life. The compromise of Samson to marry a pagan woman of the Philistines has unfolded for us through these three scenes. The first scene, Samson gave in to the lust of the eye. The second scene, Samson gave in to the lust of the flesh. And the third scene, Samson gave in to the pride of life. Bad trinity. Real bad trinity. It's the same as me, myself, and I. Bad Trinity, self-will. These stories, ladies and gentlemen, are not for our entertainment. They're for our meditation and contemplation to learn from. Never say never. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, and illustrating with Samson the dangerous vacancies left wide open when we give in to compromise. And this message titled, Samson the Self-Willed Man, is available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Samson, the Self-Willed Man. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com